0: Chapter 8 – We Capture a Flag The next few days, I settled into a routine that felt almost, almost normal. If you don't count the fact that I was getting lessons from satyrs, nymphs and a senator. Each morning, I took Ancient Greek from Annabeth and we talked about the Gods and Goddesses in present tense, which was kind of weird. I discovered Annabeth was right about my dyslexia. Ancient Greek wasn't that hard for me to read. At least no harder than English. After a couple of mornings, I could stumble through a few lines of Homer without too much headache. The rest of the day, I'd rotate through outdoor activities looking for something I was good at. Chiron tried to teach me archery. But we found out pretty quick I wasn't any good with a bow and arrow. He didn't complain even when he had to desnag a stray arrow from his tail. Foot racing? No good either. The wood nymph instructors left me in the dust. They told me not to worry about it. They'd had centuries of practice running away from lovesick gods. But still, it was a little humiliating to be slower than a tree. And wrestling? Forget it. Every time I got on the mat, Clarice would pulverize me. There's more from where that came. There's more where that came from, punk. She'd mumble in my ear. The only thing I really excelled at was canoeing. And that wasn't the kind of heroic skill people expect to see from the kid. Who had beaten the Minotaur? I knew the senior campers and counselors were watching me, trying to decide who my dad was, but they weren't having any luck. I wasn't as strong as the Ares kids, or as good at archery as the Apollo kids. I didn't have Hepistus' skill with metalwork, or God's forbid, Dionysus way with wine plants. Luke told me I might be a child of Hermes, a kind of jack of all trades, master of none. But I got the feeling he was just trying to make me feel better. He really didn't know what to make of me either. Despite all that, I liked cat. I got used to the morning fog over the beach. The smell of hot strawberry fields in the afternoon and even the weird noises of monsters in the woods at night. I would eat dinner with Cabin Eleven, and scrape a part of my meal into the fire, and try to feel some connection to my real dad. Nothing came, just that warm feeling I'd always had, like the memory of a smile. I tried not to think too much about my mom, but I kept wondering if Gods and Monsters were real, if all magical stuff was possible, surely there was some way to save her, to bring her back. I started to understand Luke's bitterness and how he seemed to resent, resent his father Hermes. So okay, maybe gods had important things to do. But couldn't they call once in a while? Or thunder or something? Dionys- Dionysus could make Diet Coke appear out of thin air. Why couldn't my dad, whoever he was, make a phone appear? Thursday afternoon, three days after I'd arrived at Camp Half-Blood, I had my first sword fighting lesson. Everybody from Cabin 11 gathered in the big circular arena where you could be our instructor. We started with basic stabbing and slashing using some straw stuffed bun- dummies in Greek armor. I guess I did okay. At least I understood what I was supposed to do, and my reflexes were good. The problem was, I couldn't find a blade that felt right in my hands. Either they were too heavy, or too light, or too long. Luke tried his best to fix me up, but he agreed that none of the practice blades seemed to work for me. We moved on to duelling in pairs. Luke announced he would be my partner since it was my first time. Good luck, one of, the part- one of the campers told me. Luke's the best swordsman in the last 300 years. Maybe he'll go easy on me, I said. The camper snorted. Luke showed me thrusts and parries and shield blocks the hard way. With every swipe, I got a little more battered and bruised. Keep your guard up, Percy, he'd say, and then back me in the ribs with the flat end of his blade. No, not that far up. back, Lunge. back, Now back. back. By the time he called a break, I was soaked in blood. Everybody swarmed the drink cooler. Duke poured ice-cold water on his head, which looked like a good idea. I did the same. Instantly, I felt better. Strength surged back into my arms. The sword didn't feel so awkward. Okay, everybody, circle up. Duke ordered. If Percy doesn't mind, I want to give you a little demo. Great, I thought. Let's all watch Percy get pounded. The Hermes guys gathered around. They were suppressing smiles. I figured they'd been in my shoes before and couldn't wait to see how Luke used me for a punching bag. He told everybody he was going to demonstrate a disarming technique. How to twist the enemy's blade with the flat of your own sword, so that he had no choice but to drop his weapon. This is difficult, he stressed. I've had it used against me. No fun, laughing at Percy now. Most swordsmen have to work years to master this technique. He demonstrated the move on me in slow motion. Sure enough, the sword clattered out of my hand. Now in real time, he said, after I'd retrieved my weapon. We keep sparring until one of us pull one of us pulls it off. Ready, Percy? I nodded and Luke came after me. Somehow I kept him from Getting a shot at the hilt of my sword, my senses opened up. I saw his attacks coming. I countered. I stepped forward and tried a thrust of my own. Luke deflected it, deflected it easily, but I, easily, but I saw a change in his face. His eyes narrowed, and he started to press me with more force. The sword grew heavy in my hand. The balance wasn't right. I knew it was only a matter of seconds before Luke took me down. So I figured, what the heck? I tried the disarming manu- disarming maneuver. My blade hit the base of Luke's and I twisted, putting my whole weight into a downward thrust. Clang! Luke's sword rattled against the stones. The tip of my blade was a couple of centimeters from his undefended chest. The other campers went silent. I lowered my sword. "Mm, sorry. For a moment, Luke was too stunned to speak. Sorry? His scarred face broke into a grin. By the gods, Percy, why are you sorry? Show me that again. I didn't want to. The short burst of manic energy had completely abandoned me. But Luke insisted. This time, there was no contest. The moment... Moment our swords connected, Luke hit my hilt and sent my weapon skidding across the floor. After a long pause, somebody in the audience said, beginner's luck? Luke wiped his sweat, swiped the sweat off his brow. He appraised me with an un- entirely new interest. Maybe, he said, but I wonder what Percy could do with a balanced sword. Friday afternoon, I was sitting with Brewer at the lake, resting from a near-death experience on the climbing climbing wall. Brewer had scampered to the top like a mountain goat but the lava had almost got to me. My sh- got me. My shirt had smoking holes in it. The hairs had been singed off my forearms. We sat on the pyre, watching the nades do underwater basket weaving, and. Until I got up I got up the nerve to ask Groover how his conversation had gone with mister D. His face turned a sickly shade of yellow. Fine, he said. Just great. So your career's still on tack? He glanced at me nervously. Sheron t- told you I want a searcher's li- license. Well no. I had no idea what a searcher's license was. But it deem, didn't seem like, didn't seem like the right time to ask. He said, "He just said you had big plans, you know, and that you needed credit for completing a keeper's assignment." So did you get it? Groover looked down at the nails. Mister D suspended judgment. He he said, "I hadn't failed or succeeded with you yet, so our fates was, were still tied together." If you got a quest and I went along to protect you and we both came back alive, then maybe he'd consider the job complete. My spirits lifted. Well, that's not so bad, right? Blah ha ha ha! He might as well have transferred me to stable cleaning duty. The chances of you getting a quest. And even if you did, why would you want me along? Of course I'd want you along. Groover stared glumly into the water. Basket weaving must be nice to have a useful skill. I tried to reassure him that he had lots of talents, but that just made him look even more miserable. We talked about canoeing and sport play for a while, then debated the pros and cons of different gods. Finally, I asked him about the four empty cadence. Number eight, the silver one belongs to Artemis, he said. She vowed to be a maiden forever. So, of course, no kids. The cabin is, you know, honorary. If she didn't have one, she'd be mad. Yeah, okay. But the other three, the ones at the end, are those the big three? Groover tensed. We were getting close to a touchy subject. No. One of them, number two, is Hera's, he said. That's another honorary thing. She's the goddess of marriage, so of course, she wouldn't go ha- around having affairs with mortals. That's her husband's job. When we say the big three, we mean the powerful three but- brothers. The sons of Cronus: Zeus, Poseidon and Hades. Right, you know. After the great battle with the Titans, they took over the world from their dad and drew lots of and they do lots to decide who got what. Zeus got the sky, I remembered, Poseidon got the sea, and Hades got the underworld. Uh huh. But Hades doesn't have a cave in here No, he doesn't have a throne on Olympus either. He sort of does his own own thing in the underworld. If he did have a cave in here, Gruva shuddered. Well, it wouldn't be pleasant. Let's leave it at that. But Zeus and Poseidon, they both had like a bazillion kids in the midst. Why are their cabins empty? Groover shifted his hooves uncomfortably. About 60 years ago, after World War II, the Big Three agreed they wouldn't sire any more heroes. Their children were just too powerful. They were affecting the course of human events too much, causing too much carnage. World War Two, you know, that was basically a fight between the sons of Zeus and Poseidon on one side and the sons of Hades on the other. The winning side, Zeus and Poseidon, made Hades swear an oath with them. No more affairs with mortal women. women they all swore on the river stakes. Thunder boomed. I said, that's the most serious oath you can make. Groover nodded and the brothers kept their word, no kids. Groover's face darkened. Seventeen years ago, Zeus fell off the wagon. There was this teeny starlet with a big fluffy 80th hairdo. He just couldn't help himself. When their child was born, a little girl named Thalia, when the river stakes is serious about promises, Zeus himself got off easy because he is immortal. But he brought a terrible fate on his daughter. But that isn't fair. It wasn't the little girl's fault. Grover hesitated. Percy, children of, big, of the big three have powers greater than other half-bloods. They have a strong aura, a scent that attracts monsters. When Hades found out about the girl, he wasn't too happy about Zeus breaking the oath. Hades let his worst monsters out of Tartarus to torment Thalia. A satyr was assigned to her to be be her keeper when she was 12. But there was nothing he could do. He tried to escort her here with a couple of other half-bloods she befriended. They almost made it. They got all the way to the top of that hill. He pointed across the valley to the pine tree where I had for the minotaur. All three kindly ones were after them, along with a horde of hellos. They were about to be overrun when Thalia told her satyr to take the other two half-bloods to safety while she held off the monsters. She was wounded and tired and she didn't want to live like a hunted animal. The satyr didn't want to leave her but he couldn't change her mind. He had to protect the others. So Thalia made her final stand alone at the top of that hill. As she did, Zeus, as she died, Zeus took pity on her. He turned her into that pine tree. Her spirit still protects the border of the valley. That's why the hill is called Half-Blood Hill. I stared at the tree in the distance. The story made me feel hollow and guilty too. A girl my age had sacrificed herself to save her friends. She had faced a whole army of monsters. Next to that, my victory over the minotaur didn't seem like much. I wondered if if I'd acted differently, could I have saved my mother? Groover, I said. Have heroes really gone on quests to the underworld? Sometimes, he said. Orpheus, Hercules, and Houdini. And have they ever returned somebody from the dead? No, never. Orpheus came close. Percy, you're not seriously thinking. No, I lied. I was just wondering. So, a satyr is always assigned to guard a demigod? Gruver studied me well. I hadn't persuaded him that I'd really dropped the underworld idea. Not always. We go undercover to a lot of schools. We try to sniff out the half-bloods who have the makings of great heroes. If we find one with a strong aura, like a child of the big three, we alert Chiron. He tries to keep an eye on them, since they can cause, cause really huge problems. And you found me. Chiron said you thought I might be something special. Groover looked as if I'd just led him into a trap. I didn't. Oh, listen, don't think like that. If you were, you know, you'd never ever be allowed a quest. And I'd never get my license. You're probably a child of Hermes. Or maybe even one of the minor gods like Nemesis, the god of Re- revenge. Don't worry, okay? I got the idea. He was reassuring himself more than me. That night after dinner, there was a lot more excitement than usual. At last, it was time for capture the flag. When the plates were cleared away, the conch horn sounded and we all stood at our tables. Campers yelled and cheered as Annabeth and the... And two of her siblings ran into the pavilion carrying a, ran into the pavilion carrying a silk banner. It was about three meters long, glistening grey, with a painting of a barn owl above an olive tree. From the opposite side of the pavilion, Clarice and her buddies ran in with another banner of identical size, but gaudy red, painted with a bloody spear. And a boar's head. I turned to Luke and yelled over the noise. Those are the flags. Yeah. Ares and Athena always lead the teams. Not always, he said, but often. So if another cabin captures one, what do they? What do you do? To repaint the flag? He grinned. We'll see. First, we have to get one. Whose side are we on? He gave me a sly look as if he knew something I didn't. The scar on his face made him look almost evil in the torchlight. We've made a temporary alliance with Athena. Tonight we get the flag from Ares and you're going to help. The teams were announced. Athena had made an alliance with Apollo and Hermes. The two biggest cables, apparently privileges, privileges had been traded shower time, chore, chore, chore schedules and the best slots for activities in order to win support. Ares had allied, allied themselves with everybody else, Dionysus, Demeter, Aphrodite and Hepistus. From what I had seen, Dionysus' kids were actually good athletes, but there were only two of them. Demeter's kids had the edge with nature skills and outdoor stuff, but they weren't too aggressive. Aphrodite's sons and daughters, I wasn't too worried about. They, were, they mostly sat out every activity and checked their reflections in the lake, and did their hair and checked their feet and gossiped. Hephaestus kids weren't pretty. There were only four of them, but they were big and burly from working in the metal shop all day. They, they might be a problem. That, of course, led Ares' cable. A dozen of biggest, ugliest, meanest kids on Long Island or anywhere on, else on the planet. Shiron hammered his hoof roo- on the table. Heroes, he announced. You know the rules. The creek is a boundary line. The entire forest is fair game. All magic items are allowed. The banner must be prominently displayed and have no more than two guards. Prisoners may be disarmed, but may not be bound or gagged. No killing or maiming is allowed. I will serve as referee and battlefield medic. Arm yourselves! He spread his hands, and the table were, tables were suddenly covered with equipment. Helmets, bronze swords, spears, oxide shields coated in metal. Whoa, I said, we really supposed to use these? Luke looked at me as if I were crazy. Unless you want to get skewered by your friends in Cable, fine. Here, Sharon thought these would fit. You'll be on Border Patrol. My shield was the size of an NBA block blackboard with a big caduceus in the middle. It weighed about a million pounds. I could have snowboarded on it fine, but I hope nobody seriously expected me to run fast. My helmet, like all other helmets on Athena's sides, had a blue horsehair plumes on top. Ares and their allies had red plumes. Annabeth yelled, Blue team, forward! We cheered and shook our swords and followed her down. The path the south woods. The red team yelled taunts at us as they headed off towards north. I managed to catch up with Annabeth without tripping over my equipment. Hey, she kept marching. So what's the plan, I asked. Got any magic items you could loan me? Her hand drifted towards her pocket as if she were afraid I'd stolen something. Just watch Clarissa's spear, she said. You don't want that thing touching you. Otherwise, don't worry. We'll take the banner from Ailes. Has you given you your job? Border patrol, whatever that means. It's easy. Stand by the creek and keep the reds away. Leave the rest to me. Athena always has a plan. She pushed ahead, leaving me in dust. Okay, I mumb- mumbled. I'm glad you want me on your team. It was a warm, sticky night. The woods were dark, with fireflies popping in and out of you. Anna bit station me next to a little creek that gurgled over, that gurgled over some rocks. Then she and the rest of the team scattered into the trees. Standing there alone, with my big blue feathered helmet and my huge shield, I felt like an idiot. The bronze sword, like all swords I tried so far, seemed balanced wrong. The leather grip pulled on my hand like a bowling ball. There was no way any- anybody would actually attack me, would they? I mean, Olympus had to have liability issues, right? Far away, the conch horn blew. I heard whoops and yells in the woods. And the clanking of metal. Kids fighting. A blue-plumed ally from Apollo raced past me like a deer, leaped through the creek, leaped, leaped through the key, creek, and disappeared into enemy territory. Great, I thought. I'll miss all the fun as usual. Then I heard a sound that sent a chill up my spine—a low canine growl, growl somewhere close by. I raised my shield instinctively. I had the feeling that something was stalking me. Then the growling stopped. I felt the presence retreat. On the other side of the creek, the underbush exploded. Five Ares warriors came yelling and screaming out of the dark. Cream the punk, Clara screamed. Her ugly pig eyes glared through the slits of her helmet. She brandished a two-meter spear, its barbed metal tip flickering with red light. Her siblings had only the standard-issue bronze boots. Not that that made me feel any better. They charged across the stream. There was no help in sight. I could run or I could defend myself against half the air escapees. I managed to sidestep the first kid's swing. But these guys were not as stupid as minotaur's. They surrounded me and Clarice thrust her Thrust at me with her spear. My shield deflected the point, but I felt a painful tingling all over my body. My head stood on end. My shield arm went numb and air and the air burnt. Electricity. Her stupid spear was electric. I fell back. Another Ares guy slammed me in the chest with the butt of his sword. I hit the dirt. They could have kicked me into jelly, but they were too busy laughing. (coughs) Claris said, grab his hair. I managed to get to my feet. I raised my arm, but Clarice slammed it aside with a spear as sparks flew. Now both my arms were numb. Oh, wow, Clarice said. I'm scared of this guy, really scared. The flag is that way, I told her. I wanted to sound angry, but I was afraid it didn't come out that way. Yeah, one of the f- one of her siblings said. But see, we don't care about the flag. We care about a guy who made our ca- cave and look stupid. You do that without my help, I told them. It probably wasn't the smartest thing to say. Two of them came at me. I backed up towards the creek. I tried to raise my shield. But Clarice was too fast. Her spears stuck me at the ribs, straight in the ribs. If I hadn't been wearing an armoured breastplate, I would have been skish kebab. As it was electric, the as it was, the electric point just about shocked my teeth out of my mouth. One of her cabin mates slashed, a, slashed his sword across my arm, leaving a good size cut. Seeing my own blood made me dizzy, warm and cold at the same time. No maiming, I managed to say. Oops, the guy said. Guess I lost my desert privilege. He pushed me into the creek. I landed with a splash. They all laughed. I figured as soon as they were through, through being amused, I would die. But then something happened. The water seemed to wake my senses. As if I'd just had a bag of my mom's double espresso jelly beans. Clarice and her cabin mates came into the creek to get me, but I stood to meet them. I knew what to do. I swung the flat of my sword against the first guy's head and knocked his helmet clean off. I hit him so hard I could see his eyes vibrating as he crumbled into the water. Ugly number 2 and ugly number 3 came at me. I slammed one of them in the face with my shield and used my sword to shear off the other guy's corsair plume. Both of them backed away. Ugly number 4 didn't look really anxious to attack, but Clarice kept coming, the point of her spear crackling with energy. As soon as she thrust, I caught the shaft between the edge of my shield and my sword and snapped it like a twig. Ah, she screamed, you idiot, you corpse-breaths worm. She probably would have said worse, but I smacked her between the eyes with my sword butt and sent her stumbling backwards out of the creek. Then I heard yelling, elated screams, and I saw Luke racing towards the boundary line with the red team's banner lifted high. He was flanked by a couple of Hermes guys covering his retreat, and a few Apollos behind them fighting off the Hephaestus kids. The heiress woke, got up, and Clarice muttered a dazed curse. A trick! She shouted. It was a trick. They staggered after you, but it was too late. Everybody converged on the on the creek as you ran across into friendly territory. Our side exploded into cheers. The red banner shimmered and turned to silver. The boar and spear were replaced with a huge caresses, the symbol of Cabin 11. Everybody on the blue team picked up Luke and started carrying him around on their shoulders. Shiron cantered out from the woods and blew the conch on. The game was over. We'd won. I was about to join the celebration when Annabeth's voice right next to me in the creek said, Not bad, hero. I looked, but she wasn't there. Where the, where the heck did you learn to fight like that? She asked me. The air shimmered, and she materialized holding a Yankees baseball cap as if she'd just taken it off her head. I felt myself getting angry. I wasn't even fazed by the fact that she just been invisible. You set me up, I said. You put me here because you knew Clarice would come after me while you sent Luke around the flank. You had it all figured out. Annabelle shrugged. I told you, Athena always, always, always has a plan. A plan to get me pulverized. I came as fast as I could. I was about to jump in, but she shrugged. You didn't need help. Then she noticed my wound arm. How did you do that? Sword cut, I said. What do you think? No, it was a sword cut. Look at it. The blood was gone. Where the huge cut had been there, had been, there was a long white scratch, and even that was failing. As I watched, it turned into a small scar and disappeared. I don't get it, I said. Annabeth was thinking hard. I could almost see her gears turning. She looked down at my feet, then at Clarice's broken spear, and said, Step out of the water, Percy. What? Just do it. I came out of the creek and immediately felt bone-tired. My arms start- started to go numb again. My, ad- my adrenaline rush fell- left me. I almost fell over, but Annabeth steadied me. Oh stakes, she cursed. This is not good. I didn't want. I assumed it was Zeus. Before I could ask what she meant, I heard that canine growl again, but much closer than before. A howl ripped through the forest. The campers cheering died instantly. Chiron tried, shouted something in ancient Greek, which I would realize only later. I had Understood perfectly. Stand ready, my bow. Annabeth drew her sword. There, There on the rocks just above me was a black hound the size of a rhino with lava red eyes and fangs just like daggers. It was looking straight at me. Nobody moved except Annabeth who yelled, Percy, run! She tried to step in front of me but the hound was too fast. It leaped over her, an enormous shadow with teeth, and just as it hit me, as I stumbled backwards and felt its razor-sharp claws ripping through my armor, there was a cascade of thwacking sounds, like forty pieces of paper being ripped one after the other. From the hound's neck sprouted a cluster of arrows. The monster fell dead at my feet. By some miracle, I was still alive. I didn't want to look underneath the ruins, ruins of my shredded armor. My chest felt warm and wet. I knew I was badly cut. Another second and the monster would have turned me into 50 milo- kilograms of delicatessen katens- katen- meat. Shiron trotted up next to us, a bow in his hand. His face grim. The immortals! Anavid said. That's a hellhound from the fields of punishment. They don't. They're not supposed to. Somebody summoned it, Shiron said. Someone inside the camp. Luke came over, the banner in his hand, forgotten, his moment of glory gone. Claris said. Clarice yelled. It's all Percy's fault. Percy summoned it. Be quiet, child, Shiron told her. We watched the body of the hellhound melt into. Shadow soaking into the ground until it disappeared. You're wounded, Annabelle told me. Quick, Percy, get in the water. I'm okay. No, you're not, she said. Shiron, watch this. I was too tired to argue. I stepped back into the creek, the whole camp gathering around. me. I instantly felt better. I could feel the cuts on my chest closing up. Some of the campers gasped. Look, I I don't know why, I said, trying to apologize. I'm sorry, but they weren't watching my wounds heal. They were staring at something above my head. Pussy, Annabeth said, pointing. Um, by the time I looked up, the sign was already fading. But I could still make out the hologram of green light, spinning and gleaming. A three-tipped spear, a trident. Your father, Annabeth murmured. This is really not good. It is determined, Chiron announced. All around me, campers started kneeling. Even the airs came in, though they did, did not look happy about it. My father, I asked, completely bewildered. Poseidon, said Chiron. Earthshaker, stormbringer, father of horses. Hail, Perseus Jackson, son of the sea god.